Deerfield on the Gopher Sports Network. This is Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino. Brought to you by Subway, the official training restaurant of Gopher Athletics. And by Nissan, proud supporter of college athletics. Shop ChooseNissan.com. Innovation that excites. Now, Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino. Here are your hosts, Justin Gard and the voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm. We are without Justin Gard today. We are broadcasting another game day edition of Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino. We are in Iowa City, Iowa, on the campus of the University of Iowa, and are sitting courtside currently at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Mike Grimm flying solo along with the head coach, uh, Richard Patino. Uh, the Gophers will have a shoot around coming up here in about an hour. So, uh, uh, Coach Patino got out of the hotel a little early and gets to hang out with me, and that's got to be the highlight so yeah, far of your great. day, right? Yeah, it's great. Fired up for it, for sure. <laughs> you sound so thrilled to <laughs> yeah, be here. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, uh, we did this with uh, uh, when we were at Nebraska, game day edition, and then uh, uh, we were on the road for that Maryland show. So it's getting to be uh, kind of a normal routine. You had some time off. The last game was a week ago tonight when uh, you guys were at home against Northwestern. You had been kind of talking for almost two or three weeks since all of the switching and the new look roster and everything that at some point you'd like to get some practice time uh, to try to figure some things out so i guess the obvious question is uh, did uh, one you figure a few things out did the practice time help uh and and how did that six day stretch go well um you know i th- again it's it's when you sustain an injury like eric curry before the season you know he gets hurt in i don't know september so you get september october november you get like three months really to move on um and where we've needed some practice time um, is because when you lose two guys uh, right in the middle, two starters, that's really, really challenging uh, to go along with Dupree not practicing. So we've we've had to uh, get creative. Um, you know, something where we looked at doing was going small, um, you know, and playing Jordan Murphy at the five and even playing Amir at the four. Um, well, you know, now Amir's day-to-day because of, uh, I, you know, he, he dunked the ball at the end of that Northwestern game and, and may have retweaked it a little bit. Oh. Uh, so we're trying to be careful there with him. Uh, so, you know, it's been some challenges, and Gaston uh, Dieju sprains his ankle yesterday, so he'll be a game-time decision as well. But, you know, I've, I've really, really tried to limit the playbook enough to where everybody, you know, I tell them over and over again, like, guys, you guys got to be comfortable with – running the plays in multiple positions, I have to be able to go to, if I need to, like, hey, Devontae, you need to play the five briefly and be comfortable running some stuff. Uh, or, you know, Mike playing the four or Nate playing the three, uh, et cetera. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we've got to, um, we got to keep fighting. You know, that, that's the biggest thing is there can't be any excuses. Um, the guys that are available have got to play and play as well as they possibly can. And, and from that standpoint, um, talking about injuries, coffee's day to day. Might he play tonight? Might he not? Uh, Jay Jew's out. Uh, uh, Dupree's not practicing. So you want practice time, but it sounds like you also maybe need some rest. And then when you do get the practice time, guys can't practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound like we're making excuses. It just, it is what it is. Very, very unique. Um, but the guys that are available. Uh, we've got it. We've got to make the best of it. You know, Isaiah's practicing better. This has been good for him the last week. He's starting to get better habits. Uh, you know, Jameer's getting some good reps. Mike's getting some good reps. Uh, you know, Devante's getting more confident. So, um, you know, we, we've just got to, um, it's the hand you're dealt, you know, yeah. and nobody's going to feel sorry for you. That's the biggest thing I've tried to tell our guys is 
you know, like nobody's going to when, when, sports is great because it's kind of a it, it's a good learning lesson for life. You know, sports is not life. Um, you know, the, this all this stuff comes and goes and the real life resumes. Um, but I tell you what, when adversity hits in life and, you know, I've kind of been around it and seen it, all that other, you know, outside noise goes away and it comes down to the people that you love and trust. And, you know, so for us, we got to rely on each other and, um, you know, we can't be frustrated. We got to continue to believe. And I think our guys have been doing that. I have a question to follow up. You said no one's going to feel sorry for us. So my question is a two-parter. How do you keep from you feeling sorry for yourself? Because it isn't a great situation necessarily, knowing that you still can win some games on this schedule and maybe string some together. And two, how do you get your guys to not, oh, man, we're, we're really in a, in a bad spot here? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of things have been out of our control. You know, like two years ago, we were young, and that was in my control. I always felt like we had to take a step back to take a step forward. I really did. Whether that was right or wrong, um, you know, we had a, 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 an older roster the first two years we had to try to win with. We won in the the first year. Came up a little bit short the second year. Um, but I, I really felt like we had to start over and play young. So that was in our control. This stuff is not in our control. Um, you know, so at the, at the end of the day, what, if, if I believe, they'll believe. Um, you know, and, and the expectations were very high going into the season. And, if we had a full roster, rightfully so. Uh, now it's changed. Now we've got to narrow our focus and do everything that we can control within our power. And I've told our guys, like, you know, don't don't, don't mope around. Um, don't convince yourself that there are reasons why we should lose. And, and that's the same with me. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got enough. Whether or not it's enough to win or not, I don't know. But I know, like, when you look back at I thought we could have won Indiana, and I thought we could have won Northwestern. So that would have been three of, what, six or seven that we right. had played with injuries or whatever. Um, and then those other ones, what did we do within our control? Uh, so that's what you got to do more than anything. But if I believe, they'll believe, and I do believe that we can uh, go compete at the highest level. Was there, as part of this week, maybe there wasn't, but I'll ask the question. Sometimes you just, it, it, a break's not the right term because you're still practicing and stuff, but just from a mental standpoint, fresh start maybe is not the right way to ask it, but some sort of a, maybe a re-energi- you know, re-energizing situation, like, okay, let's all catch our breath. we got six days, start a new yeah. season, so to speak, yeah. tonight. Yeah. The, there there was um you know and i thought like what we did versus northwestern i i always think when you're dealt with a rash of injuries and so on i think you have to change what you're doing to kind of rejuvenate and revitalize your guys a little bit um and unfortunately amir being day-to-day has kind of hurt that you know i thought that we could really really get our guys rallied around playing small and doing those things and then you know, he kind of re-injures that deal. Um, and, you know, so that's been the challenging part. Uh, you know, so the break, the two-day break was good for our guys. Being home was good for our guys. You know, they needed to get home, uh, sleep in their own bed. Um, you know, and, and so I do think there's a bit of a mental break that was really good. I do think our guys are in really good spirits. Yeah, and and then, like you say, the belief part of it, um, it, it always, I thought the Northwestern game, and I guess this is the first time we've talked in a, in a big, you know, expanded time since then, uh, for what, 27 minutes, you pretty well thoroughly outplayed them, and then for about a five-minute stretch, they had a good run, and then, you know, it was uh, it was anyone's game, and then they made free throws late, and you couldn't find a find the basket. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we had some good looks at the end. Uh, we wore, we definitely wore down. Um, I, I thought that we were, 
You know, I thought Nate and Amir were, were, were bothered by the refs when they don't need to be bothered by the refs. I thought that we'd let that get to us a little bit. Um, you know, so it's, it's, but we were right there. I mean, it was, it was three, four point game. We had a couple looks that just didn't go down, uh, and they made their free throws. So, um, yeah, we, we're getting tired. Um, but again, no excuses. We've just got to keep fighting. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, the, 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 uh, with Nate and Amir there, uh, I think Nate got the T and Amir got the, the little forearm. Uh, did you do you talk to your you know? Did you have well, Amir got a T and Nate got mad at the ref and then oh, went down and yes. then Bryant McIntosh yeah. scored on him. Right, right. Um, you know, so yeah, of course we do, of course we do. And and you know, Amir uh, was clearly frustrated. Uh, you know, and I told our guys today, I said guys, this league, the refs have seen you over the course of years, right? And we don't have a lot of refs in this league. Um, so they, they're they very familiar with Dupree's game, Amir's game, and Nate's game. And I've told them over and over again, guys, you are being scouted, not unfairly by the refs, that they like to drive to the basket and get fouled. And if you don't go try to score that, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. Uh, you know, like I watched Wisconsin last night. And... The refs are clearly focusing on what they've seen from the past and how to ref. I don't think that's wrong. I think that that's just part of when teams are from or, or refs are familiar with you. Uh, you know, so for those guys, Amir and Dupree specifically, and even Nate a little bit, like they're not going to give you the foul unless you go try to make it. Um, you know, so we talked a lot about that. But the other thing I told them too is, you know, guys, you know, you watch the NBA all the time. And there's this new thing now where all these NBA guys are just going after refs. Like, you're not in the NBA. Yeah. Stop talking to the refs. Go back, play defense. Um, you know, so we talked about that as well. And and from your standpoint, from the bench, you've you've talked to me off the air about the idea, like, it's kind of out of your control, too. So how far do you want to push it and how far don't you want to push it? In some sense, do you want to, if you see your guys getting frustrated, do you think, okay, i got to stand up for it? I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it either. You know, what, what's your philosophy? I think, I, that, I think that you're getting to our players because they're getting mad at the refs. <laughs> So I think that you it's my fault keep now. you away yes. from the players. Um, I, I've said from day one, um, I'm a big believer of control what you can control, and if I need to discuss something with the refs, I will do it. Um, you know, but I'm I just uh, I'm not scared to speak up if it needs to be something that needs to be addressed. But other than that, I mean, you know, control what you can control. Don't waste energy on things that are out of your control. I'm a big believer in that. Um, you know, but if there's something where I need to certainly fight for my guys, I think I've shown to do that as well. Yeah. Um, throwing a sports coat. Yeah, you know, but like like <laughs> the whole I think the whole fight for your guys thing's a little bit overblown. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's the refs, I've said this before. People that are consumed with the refs, I always go back and watch and they're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But it's normally about 4 or 5. Is that really that bad over the span of a 40-minute game? I mean, you know, everyone can get better, but that's part of the game. Uh, so I don't focus on it much. Uh, I focus on if you miss a shot, well, then what can you do on the defensive side of it to erase that mistake? Right. And we as fans or broadcasters oftentimes are watching it from the prism of your own team where if Jordan Murphy gets hit, you're, well, that should have been a foul. On the other end, maybe Murphy makes a block and there's contact. Oh, what a great block, right? I mean, so you look at it from a, from a spectrum that isn't always how they look, clearly how they look at it. Sometimes. No doubt. No, I mean, it's, it's, that's a never-ending battle in sports <laughs> uh, with fans and refs and so on. But uh, I, I just we know that there's things that we can control. We've got to do our best to focus on that. We're here with Richard Patino. We're at Carver Hawkeye Arena. We're courtside where later tonight, about what? 
eight feet from where you're sitting right now. You'll be sitting uh, in the chair on the bench coaching your basketball team against the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll get a little scattering report on the Hawkeyes coming up here shortly. We uh, do have a stretch four put together, and uh, that's coming up near the bottom of the hour, and tonight our airtime is 7.30. Spencer normally on these road trips would uh, sit in, but he has a real job as well, and so I guess he's in a big uh, a big meeting today that he can't get out of, and if he makes a sale, he's promised he's taking us all to dinner, so oh, let's wow. hope that that works. Well, well, it's worth it then. Yeah, for sure. You're invited if you'd like to come. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah sure. tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, when we get back. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right, we'll take our first break. We'll come back. By the way, we will also open up to uh, some Twitter questions later on in the show. You can hashtag Gopher Radio. That's our Subway Fresh Take. Hotline Subway. Eat fresh. Don't go away. This is Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino from Learfield. Hit the boards with home improvement. The Baxter Bag has got your cleanup covered, no matter what kind of project you've got on deck this season. Whether it's a simple... Welcome back. It's Gopher Basketball Weekly here on the Gopher Radio Network. We're glad you're with us on this Tuesday. It's another game day edition of Gopher Basketball Weekly. Uh, Mike Grimm, along with the head coach, Richard Patino. Our airtime tonight is 7.30, 8 o'clock the tip. We are in Iowa City. In fact, that's where we sit right now, courtside at Carver Hawkeye Arena for our program today. I want to thank our flagship back home at the Twin Cities 100.3 FM KFAN. Reminding you as well, you can tweet your questions and comments. We'll get to the those later on in the show on the Subway Fresh Take Hotline. We want you to hashtag go for radio. We'll track that tweet down and we'll get to it coming up a little bit later on. Um, Iowa comes in tonight uh, at home. They uh, on the season are 11 and 12 overall, 2 and 8 in the Big Ten. And um, I know you and I chatted briefly yesterday. Uh, they have had some trouble stopping people. They're scoring points. They're averaging 80 themselves in Big Ten play. Uh, they're 11 wins. They've been over 80 in all of those, but um, teams are, are putting the ball in the basket against them too, it looks like. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically been the problem for them. I mean, they can score with any I mean, I thought that, um, you know, their last game at Nebraska, you know, they, they put up 84 on the road. Shot 50%. Um, <laughs> but the problem is they give up 98. But they do a lot of good things. Um, they play hard. You know, you look at Jordan Bohannon is a terrific guard in this league. Isaiah Moss had a lot of success versus us. Bear is a six-man-of-the-year um, guy, and now he's starting playing more minutes. I think Tyler Cook could play in the NBA, to be honest, and I think Luca Garza um, has got a very bright future, and, and certainly uh, Coach McCaffrey knows what he's doing. They've got depth, and um, they've got a lot of guys that they can throw at you, uh, and this has always been a tough place to play. So uh, we got our hands full, um, you know, and I think that – we I ignored their record. I think they're better than that record. Um, you know, and, and I know they had high expectations for this year, but sometimes losing one guy uh, can change a team. And, and obviously losing Peter Jock for them, uh, that's taking some time to adjust. But if you look at their team, um, Jordan Bohannon's got a very bright future. They're very young. I think they have one senior on the roster. So as difficult as this is for them, uh, I, I look at this team like my team two years ago. Like there are some guys that are getting valuable, valuable experience. Going to be good players in this league for a couple of years. Yeah, you look at the all freshman team, which Amir Coffey was on last year. Two Hawkeyes were on that team: Bohannon and Tyler Cook. And Tyler Cook has, I think, I saw on the stat sheet, he has forty-six slam dunks this year, and whatever it is. You don't 20, hear people say 20, slam dunks often yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's no, good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good term. Right? <laughs> yeah. Slam dunk. Yeah, right? um, and he can get up off the floor quick. Um, but you're right, and it, and not specific to Iowa, but in general. And you've had uh, curveballs thrown your way in regard to maybe not hitting where people thought Northwestern maybe is in that boat a little, coming off that first bid. 
in general terms, a league like the Big Ten, and if you lose one or two, man, it can wear you down. I think you saw that, was it your second year? You you had Purdue beat on the road, lost, and then all of a sudden it's 0-5 before you have blink of the eye. And it can it can happen in this league where you're 2-8, and eight and there's they're better than 2-8, and eight, Iowa. I, I look at Northwestern's team as very similar to my second team. Um, you know, we had won the NIT my first year. And I think that everybody assumed, okay, you won the NIT, you got a lot of guys, you got everybody back, which we didn't. We lost Austin Hollins, who was a leader and so on. Uh, But then you're going to make this jump. And I think Northwestern's the same way. And, you know, Chris is obviously a very, very good coach who's trying to get his guys to not feel like they're a disappointment. You know, because what happens is when you have a tough start like they did, well, now everywhere you turn, it's, oh, you're not living up to expectations. Um, you know, well, maybe they overachieved the year before. They lost Sanjay Lumpkin. So the, somewhere in the middle of all that stuff lies the truth. Um, you know, and, and I do think that in 2018, when you lose, man, it's hard to hide. It's hard to block out that noise. As much as you try to do it with your guys, it affects them. Right. Um, you know, and, and so you do everything in your pot, you know, your power, uh, to get them to mentally understand and stay tough and, and, and fight it. But I tell you what, winning is the greatest confidence builder of anything. Yeah, and and you're right. And then you you lose, and all of a sudden, before you know it, it's uh, you know you you lose two or three, and you're like, how did that happen? We outplayed this team, or this happens, and it doesn't take much to find a little crevice that that uh, you can go the wrong way with. Even like, I, I mean, again, generally speaking, in the Big Ten, so. We saw Ohio State last weekend, a week ago last weekend, and they're a really good team. They're nine, they started nine and zero. Well, now they lost at home to Penn State. I don't know what their schedule even looks like. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, they're a good team. I'm not trying to denigrate what they've done. Wouldn't surprise me if they lose three of the next four or something like that. You get play at that edge, play at that edge, and then a little leaks out of the tooth. You know, the the uh, the tube of toothpaste, and you can you can go the other way pretty quick. Well, and 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 the schedule. Um, you know, if you don't have guys who are experienced. Like like Illinois is a perfect example. They got a new coach and they're trying to establish a new identity and a new culture. Well, I want to say they started five or seven on the road. Yeah. Um, so they lost these games and that wears on these kids. And you know, so so you've got to keep a level head in this profession. I thought that we did a terrific job last year. Uh, where what we we lost five in a row. We started out three and six in conference, yeah. and I thought everybody was like, oh, here we go. Um, you know, the Gophers are losing it. But I just try to look at how we're playing. Are we playing the right way? Are we close? You know, like it, it, sometimes it comes down to a made free throw, a missed blockout, little things. And, and, I, and I thought last year, like, we were close, and we go on to win eight in a row. So, um, you know, you got to be healthy, uh, you know, and you got to be – there's not as big of a gap to being – a really good team versus an average team. It's not as big as people think it is, um, you know. But you got to make winning plays, winning free throws, stay healthy, get a little bit lucky at times. You know, like you look at last year, we played uh, Iowa at home, and I think we were three and six, and we won that double overtime game at our place to put us four and six, and then we won what eight in a row, but. You know, we got lucky on that baseline with that jump ball call, right? right? Um, you know, easily could have gone the other way. So you just try to stay the course. 
and stick to what you're doing and not get too high and not get too low. A team like Nebraska last night, uh, I don't know if you watched any of that. Well, you said you watched a Wisconsin game. Sure so did. Wisconsin-Nebraska, all of a sudden you look, they're 8-4 and four and 17-8. and eight. Remember when, when they uh, won at home, and you you even in the pregame said, listen, this is the most talented team. Um, I don't know if they'll make you know an NCAA tournament, but this is the most talented team. It's a hard place to play. You were trying to warn people because everyone's, oh, Nebraska's terrible. That's an easy win for the Gophers. And here they are you know, a month later uh, sitting in a pretty good spot to make yeah. an NCAA because their schedule, I think, is fairly favorable. For so I was right. Too. So as usual, you were Per correct, usual, yes. I was right. No, I thought, <laughs> I did think that it was his most talented team since he's been there. Um, you know, it just takes time. Um, and uh, people are not patient, unfortunately. And that's just that's what we signed up for. Uh, I, don't, I don't know any fan bases that are patient in sports, and nor would I be patient. I mean, why would you be? Um, you know, but I did like... I thought Nebraska just needed time to get some chemistry on the court because they had new faces, new transfers, and so on. Uh, but that's a fan base that really, really celebrates that team. Um, that, that is a loud, tough environment to play in, uh, and they all kind of rally around that. Uh, you know, so it doesn't surprise me one bit that they're winning games right now. Yeah, because be, let's be honest, when we were there in December as a group, that they, they, it wasn't like a great vibe from the outside. In other words, people thought that team wasn't any good. They striped the building. It was full, and that was uh, I thought that was a key part of that game. I thought that, that uh, the, the, you know, it was a, the, the, obviously you play on the road. It's hard when, when they do that stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, Nebraska is an interesting place because um, they've got obviously a beautiful brand new arena. Um, they do show up, you know. I've I've talked to Miles about that before. Um, they really show up and they're loud. Um, so it's an underrated, really, really difficult place to play. Nebraska's difficulty has always been where do they get their players from? Uh, you know, he's having success now with Palmer Copeland and Anton Gill as transfers, and then being able to develop kids like Glenn Watson and Roby and get them older, get them better. Um, you know, and then again, the biggest thing is winning at home is so crucial, and that place really seems to embrace making it very difficult to play in, um, and that's why it's always so important to do that. Purdue at 10-0, and 21-2. They've won, a, what is it, 18 in a row. They're, I think they set the program record the other night uh, for consecutive wins. I don't know if anyone predicted they'd be sitting here, but I think it's no surprise they're a pretty good team. Yeah, I'm not surprised with it. And You know, it's uh, funny with their team last year. They had Swanigan, um, and I always thought they were better when Vince Edwards was at the four. So they tried to play Swanigan and Haas together, and I don't think that was their best team. Uh, I get why Painter was doing it because right. you got these two guys like they got to play, uh, where it just seems like now the pieces fit a little bit better. Um, they're really, really connected. I mean, they are defensively, offensively. Uh, they're playing like veterans. I mean, I always thought we could kind of be that this year um, before all the injuries and so on. So, um, you know, they're, they're a good team. Uh, really good team. If they keep Haas out of foul trouble, uh, I think they could go really, really far. But that's a big if, obviously. Right. Yeah. All right, let's take another break. Uh, we've broken down the Big Ten. We'll come back. We have the stretch four. We'll continue to preview the game tonight. Again, we take air at 730 here on the Gopher Radio Network. It's Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino from Learfield. From the Holiday Station Stores Traffic Center, here's a look at the roads. You're listening to The Fan.
Welcome back to Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Pitino. We're at Carver Hawkeye Arena. It's a game day edition of our weekly show on Tuesday. Tonight it's Minnesota and Iowa, and we take air at 7.30. It's an 8 o'clock tip-off in Big Ten basketball. Richard Pitino along with, I'm Mike Grimm, uh, and no Gardzi and no Spencer Tollickson. Doug Westerman is our on-site engineer. Mike Tackett is our producer. Dan Riesig is our communication specialist. And uh, we are just uh, uh, commenting it's time for the stretch four, and I know that's uh, also kind of a highlight of the show. Garzi uh, traditionally has done this, and uh, so I just threw a few together. We're on right. the road here, and so uh, in the Big Ten, it used to be kind of legendary. Bob Knight would always, uh, when the team would get in, when his Indiana team would get in, um, he'd leave the team behind, and then he'd go out and eat, have dinner with either a local friend or whatever, and uh, he always had these hangouts in the Big Ten. I, I, it's my impression that you don't do that very often if you do. So number one of stretch four is when, you, when you're on on the road, do you ever get a chance, hey, I know you got a game, but get out, get away from it, find a nice restaurant somewhere in the Big Ten, or is it always I'm holed up in my hotel room watching game film and making sure my team's doing what they need to do? Pretty accurate, yeah. The the, the routine normally is, and I don't stray from it much, uh, Billy Donovan was more like me. My dad would go out to dinner. Um, I like to just get in. You drop the bags off, you go down. We have a team meal in a team room. We normally watch a little film, um, you know, if we have time or if we haven't gone over the scouting report, et cetera. And then normally I go back and I just watch games on TV and just relax. <laughs> uh, so that's that's my routine. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't want to pack to go out to dinner. I don't want to do all those things. I just want to relax, stay in. I mean, I think it's um, maybe I'm a little bit paranoid going out to restaurants and so on night for games. Especially if you're on on the road. I mean, yeah, I just don't feel... Well, you, you, you answered my questions. I had down there Donovan and your dad, would what would they do? And I had it pegged. I figured your dad would maybe go out for a nice meal somewhere. Not every road trip, but occasionally would. Well, I think that there's something else, too. There's another layer in it. When we were in the Big East... There was a lot of great cities. Yeah. You know, you'd go. You'd so what go, are you saying? Champagne is not. No, Iowa City's the, not. But the SEC is more like the Big Ten in the yeah. sense of the college, college towns, towns yeah. not a lot to necessarily do. Or if you go somewhere, you got college kids who are going to probably harass you. Yeah, you, you know. So I mean, I think that uh, more than anything, what 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 uh, when we were in the old Big East. You know, you had some some towns where Philadelphia. I mean, you could go hide um, somewhere, right? Yeah, you could. There are major cities, so yeah. sometimes you just kind of. But I don't know. I, I don't. I I normally do the same thing. I drop the bags off, <laughs> eat, eat, and then I go watch. There's normally a game on, or you watch films. Same watch. as an assistant, or were you able a little more kind of anonymous, be able to get out and get a meal? No, assistant coaches. You're you're either recruiting or you're on to the next scout. I don't I don't do a lot during the season. Um, like I find it impossible to think, it, uh, unless it's about my team or my family. Uh, there's not a whole lot else I'm really going to do. Like people, are like, oh, you going to the Super Bowl? Like God, no. Like I'm. <laughs> that's not what I want to do right now. Like I got to worry about whoever we play next. Um, so I really struggle to multitask during the season. Like my wife's like, oh, you know, we got to plan a vacation in the off season I'm, I'm just like just just tell me where to you do the whole thing well i'll go wherever it doesn't matter uh, so i do struggle to multitask we're continuing the stretch four uh, that's four questions that aren't specific necessarily to like the game tonight maybe related to basketball sometimes life number two sometimes um you, life. <laughs> sometimes life you know you get life lessons i from can the give head you some life here. lessons yes, sure. absolutely um this is a little basketball related and a little bit related to question one and i think you were headed down this road uh 
because it, the Big Ten is different. There's more college towns than, say, the old Big East, where you had Philly and New York and even the old Conference USA, where you had Milwaukee and St. Louis mm-hmm. and Chicago and what have you. Um, do you have a spot in the Big Ten that uh, that is your favorite in terms of just to, to visit, or is it just such a, a zeroed-in focus on a game? It's not like, hey, I'm going to Madison or Iowa City or Lincoln or any other Yeah, town. no, I don't enjoy going to any of them. <laughs> uh, normally, it could be like the hotel, uh, maybe something, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I to me, it's uh, what's the easiest trip? You know, right. I mean, it's a uh, thirty-four like I, minute flight. Yesterday. Of all, yeah, like this was pretty nice. Um, you know, but I think that I, I like I like Ann Arbor a lot. Yeah. I've always kind of liked that. I, I think I've been there a couple times, but it also depends on if you win or not. Um, proximity to the hotel from the airport's yeah, important right. to me. <laughs> uh, so no, not really. I mean, I I, I don't really care where we're going i just want to win the game and again like i said i mean you don't have a lot of time you're not going out to dinner you're not going out shopping or whatever uh so no for me it's it's i like the iowa trip because it was a 30 minute flight yeah that's that's nice but then you got the 20 minute bus ride from cedar rapids to iowa city so that tax on uh but nothing better than cornfields out the window even in the winter right it's beautiful uh best student section would you say in the big 10 who who's and i'm when i count that i'm like uh numbers uh, volume, uh, creativity. What, what you know? Uh, I think loyalist. That, what, what do you think? I, I've always liked Purdue. Uh, I think that Purdue's got the most knowledgeable, loudest, um, respectful um, fan base. You know, I I really I really just get disappointed with some of these places you go. Just the, the total lack of respect. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with cheering and, and being loud and, you know, getting on the, the opposing team. But so, a lot of teams cross the line, and I've, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but it, it just is what it is. But I think Purdue, uh, Michigan State's really, really tough. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, is it really tough because it's a tough place to play, or is it because they got really good, good teams? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's all kind of intertwined, uh, you know, but I would say those two really stand out. The uh, last one is related to that as well, where excluding Minnesota, of by course, the, way. the barnyard, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, there, and you mentioned sometimes people cross the line, and I think especially in your case, sometimes because of your, you know, your family background, it's easy uh, to, uh, to to take a shot. So, aside from the stupid over the line personal stuff, sometimes you might take on the road. Is there has there been a time or two or ten where someone's come up with a line where even in the midst of a game you might hear it and even get a little chuckle out of it, or or is it or no, not really? And, no. It's, you know, you don't you're kind of locked in on on uh, your team and so on, and you try not to really you get kind of immune to it all. I mean, you know, you get a lot of father jokes. There's a lot of that, um, you know. And again, it just it is what it is. I, I don't, um, you know, I grew up. Rick Pitino's son, obviously, my whole life, so I'm kind of used to people saying really stupid things. Right. Uh, so you just you get immune to it. There's a lot of good that that you get out of it, and there's other things that come with the territory. So fans are normally not as creative as they think they are. Right. Even even at your alma mater, where your dad took them to the final four, you were getting some grief. For that's pizza. why it's just stupid. So you don't really <laughs> worry about it too much. You just you try to get the next win, and you keep and, moving and more move than on anything. for sure. All right. Well, that's the stretch four. I know it's not guardsy level stretch four. Pretty stuff, good though. 
but it's still uh, really good. It yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the yeah. feedback. Thank yeah. you. Um, we uh, have the uh, game tonight, eight o'clock. Uh, your guys are just now starting to arrive here as uh, they get ready for a shoot around coming up in about fifteen minutes. Um, and I think people also, as long as we're uh, uh, going through like itineraries and favorite trips. Um, the normal game day uh, is this: uh, you'll you'll uh, the team will have breakfast and they come out and it's a little shoot around. You don't want to, you know, your philosophy, I suppose, is you don't want to uh, with a game tonight run them too much, but you want to get the blood flowing and and uh, and and the final scouting scouting report game plan probably put in place. Yeah, I mean, so you know, this morning I got up probably at about six thirty, uh, went down and got a cup of coffee, and uh, Facetime with my kids when they got up. My daughter Ava unfortunately has the flu, so mm. checking in on her, she's doing a little bit better. Um, and then we had 10.30 breakfast. We watched a little film after with the team. Uh, and then I think they had 12.45 or 12.30 bus to come back over here. So we'll go. You know, I mean, it's important to get a lot of shots up just to get a feel for the background uh, because we didn't get in here last night. That's important. Um, and then, again, like I said, when you're under man, you got to get – everyone to understand every position uh with the offense the defense get familiar with everything so uh and then obviously go over the scout and go over how we're guarding things i mean you know it the, your, your your scout doesn't change a whole lot you know you have a base package and you just kind of um try to get better at that more than anything so uh you know it is good for everybody to be comfortable with uh, the surroundings, um, you know, in both end zones, et cetera, to feel good about that because the name of the game is putting the ball in the basket. Yeah, and I think the average guys, oh, the the hoop's ten feet, but with backgrounds and and uh, even the height of the ceiling of an arena can have an impact of how you zero in because everyone has their own style of of how they're uh, you know calibrating the the jump shot. I suppose. I think some guys think it matters, some don't. You know, so at the end of the day, it's just you put them in a position where they can at least feel comfortable with it. I don't really find it. I, I think when I kind of really, really fell in love with the game was probably when my dad was a Celtic coach. So, you know, you're in a million different cities, uh, you know, at the end of the day. But whatever makes them comfortable with, that's what I want. And then there is a balance uh, from shoot around standpoint of, you don't you want to get the blood flowing, but you don't want to wear them down because the only thing you do is you come back and you're warming up again, and you know, so you're getting a lot of shots and a lot of reps up on game day. So, but it is important to make them feel confident um, with their surroundings and seeing the ball go in the basket more than anything. All right, we'll take our final break. We'll wrap up the show. Don't go away. Stay with us. It's Go for Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino from Learfield. It's Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino, our final segment here on the Gopher Radio Network. We're at Carver Hawkeye Arena. The Gopher basketball team has arrived for its shoot-around, which starts here in about 10 minutes. Head coach Richard Patino alongside. I'm Mike Grimm. No Justin Gard on the show today. No Spencer Tollickson on the show today. But we do want to thank Doug Westerman, Mike Tackett, and Dan Riesig for their help today. We'll be back next Tuesday as well. It's another game day show. It's a Tuesday edition, the Gophers and Nebraska back home. And that will be uh, certainly good to get get back home. It's at Michigan this weekend. That's a Saturday game. Uh, they sent you out of town for the Super Bowl, which leads me, Coach, to uh, ask you a question. Will you, uh, Again, knowing that you got a lot going on in your own uh, uh, kitchen, so to speak, with trying to get this team going, uh, will you take part in any Super Bowl stuff at all this week? Your family, anything? Like zip no. line across the Mississippi or <laughs> no, I go won't. to any concerts? or No, I mean, I, there's normally a couple neighbors of ours have a like a Super Bowl party that I know we went to last year, um, and uh, that was fun. I mean, they live around the corner. We watched my my wife's 
my my father-in-law is an insane Patriots fan. Like the most excessive thing I've ever seen in my life and like I always needle him when I tell him that I get I know Bill Belichick and I text with him and that always bothers him um you know but uh we watched uh, the game last year so we may do that but you know it's when you've got you're in the middle of the season you got three kids under the age of six God, you just need a break sometimes yeah, so right. I don't know what we'll do I'm not going to the game um you know I'm gonna try to stay away from all that I mean it's awesome I love the fact that it's in um, you know, our home state and, and people are seeing it. But uh, for me, it's about getting a little rest and putting together a game plan for Nebraska. What should we bring over for the party? <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't say it on the air. I'll tell you off the air. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure I'm, I can't wait for that answer. Yeah. Uh, well, would you, well, is your father-in-law coming for the game then if he's a big Patriots fan? You know, he's... Uh, he keeps calling my wife and saying, you know, he's got to have tickets. He's got to have tickets. And they think I'm holding out. But, man, they're so expensive. Get in um, prices like four grand. I mean, that's like upper nosebleeds. It's crazy. So, no, he's not coming. He's going to watch the game, um, obviously. And, you know, he's like my mother-in-law was flying back uh, from Minneapolis. She comes and visits us a lot. And um, he, he she was flying back and i think it was like she flew into boston and they live probably 45 minutes outside the city he refused to pick her up because he was like getting you know getting ready for the game uh, and, and they had plenty of time to spare i mean he sits at home like when they comes in town he sits in the basement and like mm. listens to the radio downstairs so it's I mean, he's really really passionate about it so good for him yeah we'll see do you have a pick patriots eagles you got to go with the Patriots, um, you know, and, and obviously with with the history of Belichick and, and Eagles and, so, and the Eagle, I mean, uh, and uh, Tom Brady, um, you know. But the Eagles obviously are riding an emotional high. Uh, but I've always been a fan of of Coach Belichick. I've gotten to know him a little bit. He spoke to our team at Florida. He actually came to Kentucky Derby with us. Um, you know, so he's always been very good to me. He's a coach's coach. Uh, you know, so I guess I got to root for him. What would this be? Seven? Does he have six titles? Five now? I want to say he's got five. Yeah, I know so Brady's six. four MVPs, uh, Super Bowl MVPs. So <laughs> pretty, it's a crazy, crazy run. Yeah, pretty remarkable indeed. Uh, let's get back to basketball here as we wind the show down. I thought now would be a good chance to, because uh, you can talk specifics now about your recruiting class. Obviously, they uh, signed earlier this year. You have three uh, kids, all Twin Cities area kids, and maybe uh, ask you about each of them here in our final minutes. We'll start with the uh, Creighton Durham Hall big man, Daniel Arturo. Uh, he's having a good, pretty good year, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, he's... You know, we thought that we got a kid uh, that was one of the better centers in the country. I mean, he's a top 50 recruit by a lot of, um, you know, websites or whatever. And I don't really care about those things a whole lot. But I think he's one of the best centers in the country from a prospect standpoint. You know, it takes time with freshmen, obviously. Um, but it was so important to get our home state, you know. And the biggest reason why we got all three of them was winning. Winning really, really helps, you know. Facilities are great. Fan bases, et cetera. But people want to be a part of winning programs. So last year helped us with that. Daniel's a great kid. Um, he's well coached. Uh, he goes to a great school, Creighton Durham Hall. Um, you know, they're winning, uh, which is really, really important as well. So excited about him. I think that, um, you know, we'll have obviously much better depth in the front court next year, and Daniel will provide that. Uh, Jarvis Immersa is, um, you know, I'm excited about him as well. Uh, he's having a terrific year. All, all three of them, Gabe, Jarvis, and Daniel, are all having really good years. Uh, Jarvis is extremely athletic, plays hard, um, wants to win. Uh, you know, so he's a, he's a good kid, and uh, you know he'll bring athletic versatility as well. And then uh, Gabe Kalsher, I think, is just from a understanding of how to play 
really, really underrated on-ball defender, uh, has been coached very well. Everybody talks about his shooting ability, which is great. You know, he's very, very good at that. Um, but he's just uh, got a great way about him, and you could tell that he cares about winning. So I think with all three of them, they chose this program for the right reasons. You know, as much as the facilities and Athletes Village is exciting, I think all three of them came because they wanted to play for the name on the front of the jersey, and they wanted to be a part of a winning program. So, you know, I think that... I think last year set the tone for our program of where we want to go. And unfortunately, a lot of things out of our control have, you know, making us take a step back. But we always circled year four, year five, and year six as where we thought it could take us. And, and, and I think we're really, really excited about the team next year as well. And I know you can't talk specifics about anyone that hasn't signed, but, I mean, it's on to write the class of, uh, what would it be, 2019, I guess. And uh, um, do you like the feedback you're getting when you talk to uh, families and, uh, and prospects? Yeah, you never can stop recruiting. You know, that that's the most, you know, I was telling my staff today, the, the most successful football coach in the country is Nick Saban. And every year when Nick Saban wins a national title, there's always the, the he's on the stage complaining that he's missing out on recruiting time. Yeah. <laughs> so it just shows you how important recruiting is. Re- recruiting is something you can never neglect. And I thought we've done a really, really good job of doing that. It takes time. You know, it takes time to figure out what you need in your program. Uh, sometimes it's just figuring out your roster uh, and then figuring out which young guys you can rely on to grow and invest in mm-hmm. uh, and then build the team around. And it's not easy. It's really not easy. But you do your very, very best. Um, I think i got a great staff who works hard. Uh, we're going to continue to get better and better and better. Uh, obviously, with the facilities, um, that'll really help as we bring kids on campus. Uh, but like I said before, winning is the most important thing. And last year certainly helped to have one of the better regular seasons in school history really, really, I think, opened a lot of eyes. And then playing time. You know, playing time is really important, too. So uh, I think we offer a lot of that as well moving forward. And and it's you know, a lot of teams, you used uh, the grad transfer with Akeem Springs, who had a huge impact on this program. Um, and I guess I, I have no idea, so I'm throwing this one out to you kind of cold, but would that is that, do you still keep an eye on a possibility we, of that? I think that... we put all options open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grad transfers, can be good, but they can also be bad. You know, it, it, the grad transfer thing, like the stars, got to align a little bit. Right. Um, you know, it's got to be the right fit to be able. Like Akeem was really good, and Malik. I've had two, and what I've liked about both of them, like Malik knew our system, so there was no adjustment period there. Where Akeem understood the value of winning, competing, he was physically ready to jump into the Big Ten. That was important as well. Um, he had great leadership qualities as well, um, and we needed him. You know, so if you don't need a fifth-year senior, normally it's very, very difficult for those guys to come in to adjust. So, it just depends on what we need more than anything moving forward. All right, very good. Well, uh, we'll see you here in just a few hours. Yeah, right thank you. We need a win tonight. Let's That's get a win. Need, so Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a tough one. All right, sounds great. He's the head coach, Richard Patino. We'll take air at seven thirty tonight here on the Gopher Radio Network. It will be an eight o'clock tip-off from Carver Hawkeye Arena. For our entire crew, we want to thank you for spending some time with us here on the Gopher Radio Network. I'm Mike Grimm. This has been Gopher Basketball Weekly with Richard Patino from Learfield.